So I'm going to ask you, if you can, to cast your minds back a few months to the glorious summer sunshine that we had. Perhaps that's a bit easier this morning because we've had lots of sunshine today than it perhaps has been some of... We've had a lot of rain, haven't we, recently? Um, so did anyone go to the beach over the summer? You did. You did. What do you like doing at the beach? Building sandcastles? Sunbathing? Maybe reading a good book? Going for a walk? Having a swim or a paddle? Enjoying the odd ice cream or maybe several? We had a few days at the coast in Suffolk back in the summer and it was just very lovely to get away for a break. And for me, I love going for long walks along the beach. I just find it very peaceful, very relaxing. And I often hear God's voice as I walk along the beach. And may, I don't know, maybe that's because I've just stopped rushing around at 100 miles an hour and I've actually stopped and I'm in a place where I can listen. I don't know. But God often speaks to me when I'm at the beach. So on our holiday one day, I went off on one of my walks, but I was finding that my walk wasn't as relaxing and rewarding as I hoped it would be. And the reason is because, sorry, yes, thank you. Just realised I was missing a vital prop here. The reason is that there were so many stones along the beach. This was the beach I was walking on in, in Southwold. And I had to watch really carefully where I was going so that I didn't trip up or fall over or cut my feet. And the stones were just not very comfortable to walk on. And this meant that I couldn't allow my mind to wander as I normally would. And I found myself getting quite irritated because I felt that the stones were spoiling my walk. So I said to God, God, how can I hear your voice when I'm so distracted by these stones? And then this little voice said to me, there will always be stones. The question is, will you allow them to spoil your enjoyment of the beach? And I was stopped in my tracks because I knew that this was God's voice. And I knew that actually he wasn't talking about the beach at all. He was talking about my life. And from that moment, I made a point of stopping every now and again on my walk, just so that I could lift my head and see what was around me. I could see the sun glinting off the water, or I could paddle in the sea and just enjoy the feeling of the water washing over my feet. I could look around and see families and friends having fun together, and I could listen and hear the sound of the, the waves and it was beautiful. There we go. There will always be stones, but will you allow them to spoil your enjoyment of the beach? And I realised that although that particular beach perhaps wasn't everything that I'd anticipated or wanted it to be, it was still a beautiful beach. I just had to stop and rethink a little and decide how I was going to enjoy it. And life so often can be the same, can't it? It doesn't always turn out in the way we anticipate or the way we hope or expect. There will always be challenges. Some might take us by surprise. Some things will be incredibly difficult 
to face. But there is always still so much to be thankful for, so many blessings, if only we will stop, lift our heads and look for them. And this word has stayed with me ever since the summer and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, praying about it, working out how to apply it to my life, how to live with the stones and still enjoy the beach, how not to lose my focus on God when it feels like it takes all my energy just to navigate my way through the stones or around them without falling flat on my face or without tripping over. So I just want to share some of my thoughts this morning and some passages of scripture that I hope will help us to redress the balance a little bit. So first of all, what are some of these stones that are on the beaches of our lives? Well, they will obviously be different for everyone, but just some examples. They might be health concerns, perhaps financial pressures, maybe concerns about family or other relationships. It might be work stress, perhaps worries about the future or life changes that we might be facing. Or it could be worries about the world we're living in. There's a lot going on, isn't there, in the wider world? A lot that uh, can be worrying. And I'm sure that you can add your own stones to that list. So the next question is what do we do about them? How do we continue to enjoy our walk along the beach when there are so many stones along the way? Well, first of all, we simply need to acknowledge them. We need to just acknowledge that they're there. And we need to work out which ones we can safely ignore and which ones need to be dealt with. The ones that won't just go away, the ones that we risk tripping over, landing flat on our faces, or the ones that might cut our feet, the ones that we really can't ignore. The second thing that we need to do is to work out how we're going to deal with them. Some might be things that can be dealt with very easily and very quickly. Other things will need a lot more time and energy. Some might be things that are ongoing and they need constant revisiting in order to perhaps keep them under control. Some things we really need to wrestle with. So we're going to read a few verses from Luke chapter 22 uh, from verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus here was facing the biggest challenge of his human life. He'd already faced being ostracized and criticized for his radical teaching, and he knew that at some point the Jewish leaders would become so angry with him that he would end up being killed. So what did he do? He ate a final meal with his disciples and then he took them out to pray with him. He took the issue to his heavenly father and he wrestled in prayer. 
Now, we notice that God didn't take away the cup as Jesus asked him to. Um, and Jesus knew that as he was praying, of course. He knew that the situation wasn't going to change. God couldn't take this away from Jesus because the salvation of the whole of the human race was at stake. But we note that what God did do was to send an angel to strengthen him in his hour of need. So we're going to have a look next at Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? <clears throat> Excuse me. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Now we don't know what situation the psalmist is facing here, um, but clearly he is struggling. Some commentators suggest it might be a serious illness. We don't know. But the point is that he is honest with God about how he feels. And once he's poured his heart out, he actually feels better. The situation hasn't changed, but his perspective has. And he is once again reminded and reassured that he can trust in God's unfailing love. Prayer is our greatest weapon in times of struggle. It should be the first thing we turn to, but yet in times of difficulty, it can sometimes feel so hard to pray, can't it? It can almost feel as if our words are just bouncing off the walls and the ceiling. But yet it's still good to pour out our hearts to God, no matter how we might feel. Because faith isn't about how we feel, it's about what we choose to believe. And at times when we're just not feeling it, we choose to believe that God hears us and that he will help us. We hang on to the promise that God will never leave us or forsake us. We might not feel it, but we need to choose to believe it. And so often when we look back later on, we can actually see God's hand at work. We can see the way that he has helped us, guided us, strengthened us, and led us through, even if perhaps we don't see it at the time. So when I face times like this, I find it really helpful to listen to worship music. Um, and I listen to songs that just speak of God's goodness and just remind me that it doesn't matter how I feel, it's about worship. And when it feels difficult to pray, listening to worship music can help to bring me into God's presence. It doesn't necessarily change the situation, but again, it helps to change my perspective. And worship is a very powerful weapon in the battle. Just recently, my father passed away. He'd been living with dementia for a number of years and he was ready to go home. And I um, can clearly see God's hand at work in the timing 
of my father's passing. And I'm so glad that dad is now at peace. But grief is hard. And there was one particular day when it all just felt too much on top of everything else. Pete became ill and it just felt like one thing too many and I was really struggling to cope. So I reached out to a friend and I just asked her to pray for us. And she reminded me very gently, very sensitively, how important it is that even in the difficult times, we continue to worship God. So that's what we did. I took every opportunity to put worship music on, whether I was in the car, whether I was cooking dinner or sorting out the washing, or if I was walking somewhere. I was playing worship music. And again, although the situation didn't immediately change, although Pete, fortunately, was, uh, started to get better over the next few days, but it helped to change my perspective and it helped me to feel better because it focused my eyes back on God. So the third thing we need to do, and I need to point out actually that these things are not chronological. We don't do them in a particular order. In many ways, we have to kind of do them all at once. But the third thing is to receive God's peace. So let's have a look at John chapter 14 and verses 26 and 27. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus here tells his disciples that he's going to be sending them his Holy Spirit to teach them, to guide them, to remind them of all the things that he has already taught them. And he gives them his peace. Now this peace isn't like any earthly peace that we might experience. It's more than just an absence of conflict. It's more than a feeling. It's the Hebrew shalom, which conveys a sense of wholeness, of completeness, of well-being. After his death and his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples on several occasions. And on a number of those occasions, in the accounts of those appearances, the first thing that Jesus does is to remind them that he gives them his peace. So while this word shalom would often have been used as a greeting, what Jesus is meaning actually is so much more than just a, hi guys, how are you? In his first appearance in um, John's Gospel, in John 20 for example, he says it twice. So John 20 verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. All through scripture, when God speaks, what he speaks comes to pass. So in the creation account in Genesis 1, God speaks and the world comes into existence. In the gospel, Jesus speaks to the storm and it's immediately stilled. So when Jesus appears to his disciples and he says to them, peace be with you, 
That's a guarantee. It is theirs, but they have to acknowledge it and they have to receive it. And just as it was for the disciples, this peace is also ours. It's not a maybe, depending what good mood God might happen to be in at the time. Jesus has promised it and his promises are always true. So if that's the case, why don't we always feel peaceful? Why isn't this peace always with us? Why does it sometimes feel so elusive? Well, I'm going to offer a couple of reasons this morning, but I'm sure there are others that you might be able to come up with as well. First of all, there might be occasions when God deliberately withdraws his peace in order to communicate something specifically to us. It might be that we're heading on the wrong path or that we're about to do something that is not what he wants us to be doing. So if we're doing something or we're about to be doing something and we just don't feel peaceful about it, it's a really good idea just to stop and to pray and to ask God to reveal to us the reason for our lack of peace. And related to that, if we're seeking God's will for a particular situation, one of the ways, and it is just one of the ways that will help us to discern which is the right way to go, is to sense whether or not we feel God's peace. Obviously there are other things we need to do as well. We need to pray, we need to weigh against scripture. It's always a good idea to talk to uh, brothers and sisters as well, just to uh, discern the way forward. But whether or not we have God's peace can be a really helpful way to discern the right way to go. And secondly, sometimes we simply need to receive the peace that God is offering. We remind ourselves that peace is promised by God and so we acknowledge it, we thank God for it and we consciously receive it. And God in his grace has been reminding me of this in recent weeks and months when I've allowed things to, to get on top of me. So I too make sure I take that opportunity to stop, to thank God for his peace, to consciously receive it. Again, it doesn't necessarily change the situation, but it changes my perspective and it focuses my eyes back on God. Sometimes it helps to talk it through with somebody. I'm fortunate that I have a husband with, I'm not going to say big ears, but with broad shoulders and he's really good at listening. And sometimes just voicing it is enough to again help to change our perspective. God puts people around us to help us, to support us, to listen to us. He puts us in community. He said very clearly back in Genesis, it's not good for the human being to be alone. So we need to be there for one another, to talk to one another, whether that's a partner or a friend or a, a prayer triplet or prayer group, whoever it might be. Paul says in chapter 6 of his letter to the Galatians, carry each other's burdens. And then fourthly and finally, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the rock of our salvation. And our rock is so much bigger than any of the stones we might face on the beach of our life. Sometimes we need to simply just lift our heads up, stop looking down all the time at all the things that are distracting us, and just to focus on Jesus. 
Psalm 95, as we read at the beginning of the service, encourages us to come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And the psalm goes on. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. No matter how we feel, we worship God because he is our maker. He holds the whole earth in his hands. He is in control and we worship him simply because he is worthy of our worship. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. Rather, it's about giving God his due, acknowledging his goodness, his worthiness, his lordship, his love for me. There will always be stones. The question is, will we allow them to spoil our enjoyment of the beach? Life will always have challenges. We can't escape them, it's a consequence of living in a fallen world. The question is, will we allow them to take over? Or will we lift our heads, lift our eyes, and stay focused on Jesus, who is the rock of our salvation? He won't necessarily take the stones away, but he will guide us, he will help us, he will strengthen us, he will lead us as we navigate our way through. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the rock of our salvation. Thank you that there is nothing that we can face in this life that is bigger than you. And Lord, as we think just in a moment of silence about some of the stones that we might be facing over the coming weeks and months of our lives, will you reassure us of your love for us? Lord, help us in those moments when it all feels as though it's becoming too much. Help us to remember to lift our heads and to keep our eyes fixed on you, the rock of our salvation, our very foundation of our whole life. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who you give to us to help us, to strengthen us, to guide us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.